talk about Canada and a bunch of basketball. Joining us on the line, NBA.com writer and FIBA commentator, Carlin Gay. Carlin, how are you? Brendan, I can't complain. Uh, as happy as a Canadian basketball fan can be after uh, the performance. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, like, we all expected this team with the roster that's built, with the NBA experience, with the blend of international experience that Canada has often had, but not with the level of NBA talent around it, that this team would be competitive. But to see that the teams that they knocked off, to see the way they performed, it's remarkable. Yeah, it truly is. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of the discourse online talking about, you know, how much people don't care about this tournament. But I think if you could scroll through your timeline, you'll also see how many countries actually do care about this tournament. I just saw before we got on here, you know, Latvia and, and their fans, you know, kind of serenading the players that went over there uh, and played in the World Cup with the National Anthem and the, and the Bertans brothers coming to tears almost just hearing, you know, and seeing the support for basketball in that country at the World Cup. It meant a lot to them. All the African nations that said, you know, countries over there just to qualify for the Olympics, it meant a lot to them. And, and you look at this Canadian roster and you, you see at top to bottom, there is NBA talent involved, but you also notice the depth of talent that Canada does have because there were a lot of non-NBA players that were involved and contributed in, in some way, shape, or form. And the Trey Bell Haynes and the Melvin Edgem, who has been a part of the national team forever. Zach Eady, who's not even a pro yet, contributing mm-hmm. in, in the ways that he was able to do. Phil Scrub, of course, the Carlton basketball legend, but also playing overseas. And well, he was able to give the national team program. It, so it, it's not just the NBA talent. It's the depth of talent that we were able to see come out of Canada and to knock off of France, who was the fifth best team in the world coming into this tournament. Uh, Argentina, who didn't even make this tournament, uh, you know, a fourth best team in the world. For Canada to be able to say, hey, we walked away with, with a medal at the tournament that, you know, there's 32 nations that are invited, only three walk away with a medal. To be one of those three, I think it is pretty impressive. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you said that about, you know, there's this, this mindset kind of over here and in the States that, well, it's the international tournament. It's the middle of the night. Nobody's watching. Yet the rest of the world is watching. It does matter to the rest of the world. And just because Canada haven't been competitive, just because the States didn't send LeBron and KD and Steph Curry this time, like they would for the Olympics, and they're definitely going to now. So the fact that people just write it off and say it doesn't matter, like this really did matter. And I think what's exciting for Canada basketball is it's going to, just in a year's time, up the level of importance for the sport in ways that like you can't measure. Yeah, and, and I think it's a long time coming, to be quite honest with you, that we are able to see these results. Because it's been a while since Steve Nash went to the podium and when he was the general manager of Canada Basketball and said, hey, here's the golden age of Canada Basketball. And, and now you're starting to see the fruits of those labors, right? Like, we knew that we had a ton of NBA talent. And, you know, most, most uh, players in the NBA outside of the U.S. come from Canada. We knew that, right? Now we finally have also a domestic league in the country, in the CBL, that is you know, contributing in a high level to just basketball across the, you know, across the globe. When you have 18 of those players that have CBL experience contributed in one way, shape, or form to be able to have Canada participate in a World Cup, whether it was through the qualifying rounds or the World Cup itself, that says a lot. You know, to have a domestic league where, if, hey, if you don't make the NBA but you want to still stay home and be around family and play professional basketball and get paid to do it, you could do that right there in Canada. That hasn't been, a, you know, a, you know, a factor, you know, for for Canada basketball for a very long time. Where mm-hmm. other countries have had that, you know, in their pipeline. You look at Australia; they've had the league for for many many years. You look at all over Europe; they've had domestic leagues for many many years. And you could see the talent being pumped out. The two finalists last year, or this uh, this World Cup, 
you know, there was just a handful of NBA talent on Germany. You know, half, the other half of that squad that really contributed were playing domestic basketball in the domestic league in Germany. Same for Serbia, right? Like, outside of Bogdan Bogdanovic, a lot of those names are saying, hey, what about Nikola Jokic? He obviously didn't play in the tournament. They still got there with all the lot, a lot of the talent that are pros in Europe and getting that experience and, and playing together. So uh, I think you're starting to see really – you know, the growth of the, not only the growth of the game, but kind of the, the establishment of the game, really, right? The growth of the game is one thing. We're developing coaches. Gordy Haber was a part of that Germany team uh, that actually won the gold medal. He's a Canadian. That's part of the growth of the game. That's part of the establishment of the game. It's also, you know, kind of development of the league at home, more games on TV, more games, access to games to be able to see them. That's all great. That's all fine. And now, on the flip side of things, you want to see it a little bit more for the women, right? Like, you, you, want, to, you want to have eventually a WNBA team in the, in the, in the country. You want mm-hmm. to have maybe a, a domestic league where women could stay home and play as well. But we're getting there, right? I, I, it does take time, and we're, we're absolutely getting there. And I think this, gold, this bronze medal, I'll call it a rose gold. I almost called it a gold. But we'll, we'll say <laughs> rose gold medal. Uh, it's just, you know, something that you could hang up on the mantle and say, hey, what we're doing right now is working. I think rose gold is in right now too. Rose gold is like the style. Look, look at the jewelry that these guys wear walking in. You know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, the best dressed NBA player according to GQ uh, or one of one of the magazines this season. Uh, we're talking basketball with Carlin Gay, FIBA commentator and NBA.com writer. Um, I like what you mentioned about the CEBL. I totally agree with you. What Mike Morreale and his team has done uh, in a in a short period of time with a pandemic, like it's incredible. And the fact that tangibly you can see it in the national team now. It should have everyone excited for the f- next few years, as should the man that now is the head coach. Jordy Fernandez might have been an unknown to a lot of people, might have been a surprise to a lot of people who uh, had hoped and expected perhaps Nick Nurse would still be around. But this, this program, this team seems like it's in a really, really good spot with Jordy Fernandez, who very quickly built a culture that you know, had everyone on that team look like they wanted to run through a wall for that guy. Brennan, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, if coaches could win the MVP at the tournament, I think my vote would go to Jordy Fernandez. Wow. What he did in such a short period of time to get this team all on the same page and, and, and have it you know, performing at the levels that they were able to perform, to walk away with a medal is nothing short of amazing. You're talking about getting a job you know, two months before one of the biggest tournaments in the program history, let's be frank, right? Like, they were able to finally get the commitment from the NBA guys. We've always heard, if we have our guys, we'll do something. If we have our guys, we'll do something. Well, they finally got the commitment for the NBA guys that they needed to have. And they go into the tournament with high expectations, and they knocked it out the park. And we didn't even notice that the coach just got the job five minutes ago. That is an <laughs> incredible job out of Jordy Fernandez. And honestly, I know that there's a lot of buzz here in the U.S. about, you know, who could be the next NBA coach, who's that next star. We're always looking for the next, next, next. Jordy Fernandez is on the short list of guys that will get an NBA job. And he could just point back to his turn and said, hey, look what I did with these guys in two months. You give me a 12-month or, or, or an NBA-long season, sometimes it feels like four months long. You give me an NBA season – and I will be able to develop and have these guys working at a high level. I think he did a phenomenal job, and honestly, he should have got the MVP award for Team Canada. I do want to ask you your expectations for Canada 2024, but this is kind of a two-part question, so give me a short answer to this part here. Is Jordy Fernandez still going to be the head coach of Team Canada come 2024? Because I think I agree with you. There's going to be a lot of NBA teams picking up, uh, picking up the phone. Might he leave before Paris rolls around? Whatever we have to do to have Jordy Fernandez coach this team in 2024, it has to be done, but also beyond that, because I think he's earned that at this point. So what are the expectations then for Canada in Paris? 
I think the expectations are, are going to have to be tapered a little bit because Paris is a little bit different, right? Like, that's where everybody shows up. But you should still expect the Canada medals at the event, right? Like, the, the, everyone talks about how the, all the uh, bodies that Team USA is going to have. We, 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 I heard you talking off the top of the show about LeBron and everybody else showing up. First of all, let's not give LeBron credit for something that was already going to happen. All the NBA players were going to show up already, right? Like, let's yeah. not act like LeBron is calling these guys and getting these guys together. These guys are coming anyway. So let's, let's relax from LeBron, you know, uh, jumping on the LeBron train. Looking, It's not the dream team, right? It is the dream team or whatever they call it, you know, going forward. But for Canada basketball, you look at this team and you still say, hey, they achieved at a high level at the World Cup. They were able to walk away with the Rose goal. And they still have bodies that they can add to this team, right, and that are playing in the NBA. Jamal Murray, he just won an NBA championship as second-best player on the team. Guess what? He could join this roster. Andrew Wiggins just won an NBA championship two years ago as the second-best player on the team. Guess what? He could join this roster. And then you go down the list of the young players that you could bring into the poll. Benedict Mathurin, Shaden Sharp, uh, you know, an athletic player. We were kind of you know, thin at the, at, the, at the four position with Kelly Olenek and Dwight Powell. You could bring in a Brandon Clark who was injured this summer. You, you could bring in a Trey Lyles who could stretch the floor, just shot 36% back-to-back seasons from three in the NBA. There are players that you could bring into this team and, and, and add to it without having to take away. And it's all due respect to the 12 guys that were there, but we could be even better with some of the sprinkling in from the talent that we were missing uh, this past summer. And I think, you know, Paris is a perfect opportunity to prove, you know, this team isn't going anywhere. And, and, and on the flip side, you know, the women as well, they have a ton of talent too. They still got to qualify for the Olympics. Expect them to do that because that's what they've been doing. You know, it, it, the men just got there. The women have been making, you know, they, they should be paying rent at the Olympics at this point. They've been there so often. <laughs> They're going to get it done too. So uh, it is going to be an excited time for basketball fans next summer at the Olympics. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say I'll, I'll take off my journalist hat and just say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to be cheering during the games, and I'll put back on my journalist hat after and, and try to be unbiased. Yeah, I know that feeling, man. I did the same thing in Qatar with the men's soccer team. I know that feeling. Carlin, this was great. Thank you for uh, getting us hyped for Paris. I wish we had more time to chat, but uh, hope to speak again soon. Talk soon, Denny. Carlin Gay, FIBA commentator and NBA.com writer there, getting us all hyped for yeah, Paris 24 and just Canada basketball in a really, really good place.